Hello, and welcome to Field Notes, the weekly podcast of the Military Fellowship Center in Jacksonville, North Carolina, serving Marines stationed at Cap Lejeune and surrounding areas. Military Fellowship Center is a ministry of Military Evangelism Incorporated. Our speaker and host for the program is Dave Mason, the General Director of Military Evangelism and the Field Director at Jacksonville. Visit us on the web at militaryfellowshipministry.com or email us at militaryfellowshipctr at gmail.com. Now, here's Dave Mason. John chapter 6, starting in verse 37. Jesus said, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the will of the Father which has sent me, that of all which he hath given me I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that every one which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. We continue our in-depth look at this most amazing sermon preached by our Lord Jesus in John chapter 6 today, and he's introduced over the last two weeks the concept of his being the bread of life. And he's going to return to that illustration, but right now he's in explanatory mode. He's explaining what this actually means. He's going to tell us today who can eat the bread of life, who should believe Jesus, who can believe Jesus. Why should we believe him? And why does he offer us this opportunity to be saved? And then finally, what happens to the man who takes Jesus up on his offer? And so John 6, 37, all that the Father gives me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. And here we have the sovereignty of God meeting the free will of man. All that the Father gives me shall come to me, and he that comes to me I will in no wise cast out. There's your two basic concepts of Christianity encapsulated in one verse. We have Calvinism, which is named after John Calvin, the reformer, who wrote extensively on the sovereignty of God. And we have Arminianism, which is free will. Arminianism is the idea that man has total free will to choose. Here's the fact. God is sovereign, and man has a free will. God is omniscient. He knows everything, and he knows who will come to him. Man, who is limited in knowledge, still, though, has to choose. It's explained in Romans 8.29, For whom he did foreknow, he did also predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. And so God knows who's going to get saved because he's God. He, he's, he, he is sovereign. He is, he is omnipotent, omniscient. He knows everything. He is all-powerful. And so that's the sovereignty of God. God already knows who's going to get saved because he's God. And yet man still has the free will to choose. And God said, whoever chooses... I already know who's going to choose, so I'm predestinating those who choose to be conformed to the image of my Son. And those who 
I'm predestinating to be conformed to the image of my son, I'm going to specially call them. And those who I call, I'll justify. And those who I justify, I'll glorify. That's, that's what the sovereignty of God is. That's what Calvinism, how Calvinism meets Arminianism, how the sovereignty of God meets the free will of man. God sends his spirit to convict those whom he already knows will accept him. 1 Corinthians 12.3, I wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no man can say that Jesus is Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. So God sends his Spirit to specifically call those who he knows will get saved. And that's where a lot of folks stop and they say, see, God's already chosen who's going to get saved. See, he only sends the Spirit. It's limited. He only sends his Spirit. He only calls those who will get saved. But then we have... First, we have John chapter 16. In John chapter 16, verses 8 through 11, it says that he sends the Spirit to convict those who he knows will reject him. So he still sends the Spirit. John 16, 8. When he has come, the Holy Spirit, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they believe not on me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. And of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. And so the Spirit of God is calling out to all men. It's just that God knows who will respond and who won't. And He's predetermined that those who won't respond, well, the calling of the Holy Spirit will reprove them, will judge them, will show them their sin. See, the fact is, is if you feel the convicting knowledge of your sins, that is the Spirit of God working on your heart. If you choose to reject Him, then you're one of those who he's released to the world. Go read Romans chapter 1 sometime, verses 18 through 32. God gives you up over to the world's system if you refuse his son. That's just a fact. God calls to everybody. I mean, First John still says he died not only for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. He died for everybody. He, he, he offers his free gift to everybody. Revelation chapter 22 still says, Whosoever will may come. Men will refuse him, and because he's God, because he's sovereign, because he exists outside of time, which he invented for our benefit, he already knows who will and will not accept him. He already knows who will and will not reject him. And the fact is, if you choose to accept him, Jesus will in no way refuse you, because no one, absolutely no one is too bad, too old, too tough, too rough, for Jesus to save their souls. God still loves you. He will not refuse you. I mean, John 3.16, we see it on the signs at the football games, but we need to stop and listen to that verse sometimes. For God so loved the world, everybody, that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus, that whosoever believes on him should not perish but have everlasting life. The invitation is open to everybody. Everybody can get saved, but God already knows who will and won't, because he knows our hearts. Verse 38, John 6, 38, For I came down from heaven, Jesus said, not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. So he says, everybody who wants to can come to me. Everybody that wants to can come to me. And they come to me because I'm sent of my Father. Right? They come to Jesus because he is sent from the Father. I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me.
So we have to ask the question, why do people seek after Jesus? Why do men and women seek after God? Specifically, Jesus Christ, God's Son. Well, the reason is because Jesus is the only one who holds truth. The only truth in this universe exists inside the person of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus is saying this to remind us that as a man, he was not performing his own will. He was performing the will of the Father. Because false Christs were there at his time, false Christs were there immediately after his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, and false Christs exist today. Many a man has claimed to be from God, but ultimately we see their true intentions. Men like Joseph Smith, Jim Jones, Muhammad, they claim to be from God. But eventually you see their true intentions. You see that they're controlling. They're trying to manipulate. They're trying to mold people. They're trying to use people. Jesus says, I came down to heaven, not, not down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. He's the meek one. He's the one who keeps his power under control, who doesn't exercise his power, even though he could. He offers us salvation. He doesn't force it on us. You see, in Jesus, we know we have the truth from the one true God. And he proved that with his life. He lived a perfect life, and he did not offend any man. He did Everything Jesus did fell in line with a person who was truthful. Let's get a little illustration. You get a knock at the door, right? You get a knock at the door, and there's a man standing there at the door, and he says he's from the governor of your state. And he has paperwork showing that the governor has given you clear title to a piece of land. Now, this man has certified papers. I mean, the papers have the state seal on them. He has a handwritten letter from the governor. The man standing at your door speaks in a clear, authoritative tone, and he uses the right language for someone who knows his way around governmental matters. However, he's wearing bright orange sneakers with a dark blue suit, a baseball cap with a pointy finger on it, and the logo that says, I'm with stupid. Now let me ask you a question. Are you going to believe this man? Even though the papers look perfect, even though the letter from the governor is in his own handwriting, even though the man speaks precisely clear and perfectly and with authority are you going to believe him no because there's something obviously wrong here it's the same way with everyone who claims i'm giving you a new revelation of jesus christ i'm i'm adding to the bible because this is a new thing there's something new here there's something that jesus didn't tell you about i'm filling in the blanks that jesus left i've got news for you folks jesus didn't leave any blanks I challenge anyone to find one thing wrong with Jesus, something that he left out, something he didn't tell us about. You can believe Jesus because he is all the truth. All the truth is in Jesus Christ. Jesus continues in verse 39, This is the Father's will which has sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but I should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. And so here we have the whole reason, the whole reason for everything. Here's the whole reason we're here, the reason for creation, the reason for everything is wrapped up in this one thought. God is love. 
his will was to send his son because he loved the son so he loved the world so much his will was so that his son would raise us up at the last day his will was that everyone who sees the Son and believes on Him because He loves us so much that every person who believes the Son would have everlasting life and that the Son would raise them up at the last day. God loves you. And His will for you is to live with Him forever. Now, He doesn't want, He doesn't wish, He doesn't delight in the thought that you may die in your sins and burn in hell for eternity. That's not God's job. It's not His personality. That's not who he is. A lot of folks walk around thinking that God is just this mean kid with us in his hand and we're under his thumb and he's pressing and he's holding a magnifying glass to us. He's burning us like the ants on a sidewalk. He's, he's just this mean kid and he, he doesn't care. No, God's desire is that you would have eternal fellowship with him. Second Peter 3.9, the Lord is not, cons- is not slack considering his promise, as mon- some men count slackness. But he is long-suffering to us, not willing that any of us should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's God's will. He wants everyone to come to repentance. He wants everyone to gain salvation, to gain the forgiveness of their sin. But as one who is holy and just, he has no other choice for people who reject him. No other choice. You say, well, how can God, how can God be so mean to send people to hell? God doesn't send anybody to hell. Not a single person ever gets sent to hell by God. Hell is our destination from birth because of our sin. And we have the choice to accept the plan the Father put in place, to accept the person the Father sent in our place, to accept the gift that the Father offers us. If we refuse that gift, we're the ones who send ourselves to hell. Why? Why is there... Why is there even a hell? Why, why do we have to have this place of punishment? Why? Because God is holy. He is the one. He is holy and he is just and he has no other choice for those who reject him but punishment. And the punishment, the greatest punishment of hell isn't the flame, it's not the darkness, it's not the worms. It's the separation from God. Most people walk around with an absolute haze over their minds. They have no idea what the Spirit of God is doing in their lives. But once they're separated from Him forever in hell, then they recognize they had God present throughout their life. All they had to do was accept Him. Deuteronomy 32, 4 says, He is the rock. His work is perfect. For all His ways are judgment, a God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is He. God is perfect. And he can't have he can't have sin in his presence. And so he sent his son. And if you believe on Jesus and come to him in faith, you'll be saved. And you'll have cleansing from your sins, and you'll have the righteousness of Christ imputed upon you. Romans 10:10, 10, 10, for with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. The greatest thing about salvation is this: it is eternal. And we come back to the question of Calvinism versus Arminianism. And here's the answer, folks. Both are right and both are wrong. It's right in the middle. God is sovereign and He is just and He is perfect and He knows who will come to Him. Therefore, there is an election. However, man has a free will to choose. 
But God being God, he already knows how the free will of man will choose. But once God brings his Son into your life through his Holy Spirit, once you have chosen and you are part of the elect, some free will doctrine will say, well, you can walk away from your salvation. You can choose to no longer be saved, or you can actually lose it by sinning. But that doesn't, that doesn't jive with what the Bible says. Because Jesus says he gives us eternal life, and eternal means never-ending. Listen to John chapter 10, verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Plain and simple, eternal life is eternal. And once you gain eternal life, you cannot get rid of it. You are put into the hand of the Father, and you are not greater than Him, so you're not able to take yourself out of His hand. You do not have the power to choose not to be saved anymore. Once you gain the Lord, once you gain salvation through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, you do not have the power to no longer believe. Because you're in his hand. You're in his hand. And he is going to keep you. He's going to hold you. He's going to hold you close to him. And you're never able to take yourself out of his hand after that. There. There. Is eternal security. There is the sovereignty of God. Meeting the free will of men. See, free will. You have a choice. And you're going down this road and you have a choice. But at some point, if you choose Christ... You are now on a different track, and you're on the sovereign will of God track, and you can never get yourself off that track. Let's get back to our text. Verse 39. And this is the Father's will which has sent me, that of all which he given me, I should lose nothing. Just, this is exactly what I was just telling you. Of all that which he gave me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. Jesus won't lose a single person who's ever been saved. Verse 40. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which sees the Son and believes on him, may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. And so Jesus' promise to us is, we will see the resurrection. See, the Father promises eternal life. The Son promises a resurrection for those of us who have to die physically before he comes back. And so we have eternal life either way. If we are blessed enough to be here when the rapture happens and we're called up to heaven and we don't die, amen. But if we... If our bodies die before the Lord's return, we have the promise that one day our old sinful body will be changed, will be resurrected, will be made new, and our body, soul, and spirit will be rejoined. See, Jesus promises us ultimate victory over the grave. Listen to 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither does corruption inherit incorruption. So that we can't go to heaven in our bodies, because we can't inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 51, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruption must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. Verse 54, 
So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Grave, where is thy victory? Verse 56, 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-six. The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So my question for you is this. Do you want eternal life? Do you want victory over the grave? Jesus said he's the bread of life. Well, who can eat the bread of life? Anyone who will believe the claims of Christ. Why would you believe Jesus? Well, because he's the only person who's ever proven himself to be truly from the Father, the one true God. Why does Jesus offer us this opportunity to have eternal life? Simple, because he loves us. And then the final thing is here. What happens to the man who takes Jesus up on his offer? Well, that man or woman lives forever and will be resurrected physically if he dies before Christ's return. Isn't that beautiful? It's a wonderful thing. And if you don't have it, if you don't have eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord, I beg of you, today, in the quiet of your heart, as best you know how, call on him. Ask him to save your soul. Tell him you believe in his death, burial, resurrection. Tell him that you want his blood to be applied to your account. He'll save you if you just ask because he loves you and he wants you to live with him forever. Until next week, I'm Dave Mason. Thank you for joining us for Field Notes. If you have been blessed by the preaching and teaching you have heard, consider visiting our website at militaryfellowshipministry.com and click the Donate button. Any amount will be a great help to us as we continue to reach our men and women in the military with the gospel. Join us next week as we continue our study of God's Word. God bless you.